Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Testing one, two, three, and we are a go. Welcome to the latest episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. Uh, it's me, Jerry. Got my co-host Jake with me today once again. How are you doing, sir? Fantastic, Jerry. Another good week. Uh, some exciting stuff to talk about this week in the world of sports. It wasn't a complete letdown, so I'm excited. Oh, yeah. And there is never a letdown when it comes to talking about sports. Uh, that is for sure. Like, <laughs> like you said, we've got a lot to talk about today, so let's get right into it. Um, and we will begin with previewing the 2021 Kentucky Derby. So the Kentucky Derby will feature an extremely strong field when the 147th edition of the Run for the Roses will get underway on Saturday, May 1st. So... The Kentucky Derby will return to its traditional spots of being on the first Saturday in May after after in 2020 it was postponed to September given the COVID-19 situation with the pandemic. And post time is supposed to be at approximately 657 and that can be seen on NBC. But there are three Kentucky Derby horses that are racing this year that are undefeated in their career including the two-to-one odds-on favorite right now, Essential Quality, and also Rock Your World at five-to-one is undefeated as well, along with the long shot 50-to-one Helium is the third horse that is undefeated coming into Saturday's race. Now, I, I'll, I'll have you go into it for a little bit. Like, uh, have you talked about the Derby? Have you talked about the Derby? Uh, see what you're looking forward to uh, and some predictions as well as any other insight you have, sir. Um, well, Hot Rod Charlie is an interesting horse because it is trained by a Doug O'Neill who has had very good success in the Kentucky Derby. He has uh, two victories in the Kentucky Derby, but um, he hasn't won since uh, – he hasn't produced a Derby winner since 2016, but that's always something to keep an eye on considering Hot Rod Charlie right now is sitting – at <clears throat> excuse me, Hot Rod Charlie is sitting at the eight to one odds, which pretty good betting odds if you ask me. But um, of course, like you said, there's three undefeated horses in here. Um, especially I think Essential Quality, uh, sitting at that number fourteen horse, uh, sitting at the two to one odds is that's gonna be something to look out for. If there is one horse that to me that could win, be a triple crown winner this year, it would definitely keep an eye on Essential Quality for sure. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, and coming into the coming into the Kentucky Derby, uh, everybody was talking about how essential quality is probably like an odds-on favorite to win the, not just the Kentucky Derby itself, but also make a run in for the Triple Crown, which honestly, ha- which has not been done for a few years now, and there have only been like what seven or eight Triple Crown winners in the entire history of in the entire history of horse racing in terms of the three biggest, three big horse races, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness States stakes and the Belmont stakes. Um, I could be wrong on the amount of triple crown winners though, but uh, yeah, I mean, essential quality is obviously the, obviously it's essential qualities race to lose. 
um, coming in at two to one. Uh, he it, essential quality is coming out of the number fourteen post though, which uh, for superstition uh, reasons, uh, a lot of people are are feeling that uh, <laughs> he may not win the race uh, coming out of that post because nobody has won coming out of the 14 posts since 1961. So we're looking at 60 years there where nobody has come out of the 14 post and won and won the race. It's always a good year to beat superstition. Exactly. Exactly. This, uh, this year with everything looking on the up and up and uh, not just in sports, but also in the world, uh, maybe uh, essential quality will be that first horse there, but going back to hot rod, Charlie, um, like you mentioned, Hot Rod Charlie is trained by Doug O'Neill, who is a two-time Kentucky Derby winner as a trainer. But like you said, he hasn't produced a winner a winner since six since sixteen. Um, uh, but Hot Rod Charlie, even though he Hot Rod Charlie is eight to one, he has only recorded two wins in seven career starts, which really doesn't bode well for his chances on Saturday, even though. He is full of confidence after winning the Louisiana Derby in March, but that two wins in seven right there is kind of making uh, kind of making people like you look at it as like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't really take our chances uh, with uh, predicting Hot Rod Charlie as the winner. And even some betting experts are saying that we should fade Hot Rod Charlie mm-hmm. instead of trying to go and bet on him. <clears throat> um, what, what's Another- your take on that, sir? Um, I agree with that as well, but if you're looking to make some good money on Saturday, there is a horse, uh, Demling loves Holly Movated sitting at 10 to one odds. And a lot of people who are big into horse racing are recommending that bet and thinking those odds are, uh, too low and you can win a big payday coming out of there for sure with 10 to one odds. Um, but no, like you said, it could be essential qualities, uh, race to lose, but there is plenty to look at here. I mean, I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast, uh, myself and I, not 100% about you, yourself included, but only watch horse racing three times a year and uh, Kentucky Derby is the kickoff to it, but it doesn't get much better than this now, does it, Jeremy? All of us degenerates out there. Oh, yeah, the gambling degenerates of the world, uh, if they listen to the podcast, I mean, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure they're getting ready to do their research if they haven't begun doing their <laughs> research already. Taking a look at the morning line odds on a day by day basis. Taking a look at the uh, conditions of the race track. Looking at the weather that will be uh, like the weather in Louisville the day of the race too. I mean, I don't know exactly what the weather will be, but obviously the conditions of the track and the weather at the time could play a huge factor into the race itself. It always has, it always has, and will continue to do that for the most part. Um, uh, but yeah, I going off of uh, highly motivated there. Uh, he, I wouldn't say 10 to one is a long shot, but the thing is though, it's like 10 to one. Uh, obviously like those odds are, they're they're not good, but they're not they're not good odds, but they're not bad odds either. Um, uh, and anybody that wants to take a bet at this, uh, you know, target highly motivated if you're looking for a good payday. Um, uh, the only thing is, though, is the horse will have to overcome poor history of ho- horses coming out of the number seventeen post, uh, because. Like the number 14 post, you know, not many horse horses have come out of the 17 post to actually win the run for the Roses, but because... 15 post is a post you want to be in. 
for this race for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely for sure. But, yeah, highly motivated, challenged essential quality uh, in the bluegrass stakes earlier this year. Uh, that's And he came in second in a race that was much closer than many expected it to be. So that's why the betting experts are considering highly motivated to be a challenger to essential quality in, in the Kentucky Derby. But, again, it all depends on what the weather will be as well. Um, so I'm th- So I'm thinking, like, those are the two horses that we should really look out for. And in terms of Hot Rod Charlie, I don't think Hot Rod Charlie will be much of a threat. Are there any other horses that uh, you think that we should be on the lookout for in, in the race itself or not really? Um, not really. I mean, plenty of, from the mentions that we've had, a lot of guys are sitting at very low odds and, uh, if you're looking for some fun names to bet on, I mean, Dynamic One is a pretty fun name for me. Midnight Bourbon, that might be one I'd be putting some money on as well because that's a fun name. But uh, other than that, no, I'm not a not a huge horse racing guy up until it comes up to these three uh, to these three races, like I said. So, yeah, I know that's completely understandable. There, I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, people do like to pay attention to the horses with the most unique names uh there are people that uh, really don't follow horse racing up until the kentucky derby um <clears throat> all that much but uh, there are a couple horse but there are actually a couple horses that uh i do want to be on the look for are do want to be on the look for honestly uh midnight bourbon is actually one of them uh he has hit the board in all of in all seven of his career starts uh and ran a respect and ran a respectable second to hot rod charlie in the louisiana derby and uh his front running style should push him toward the lead early which is never which is not an ideal place if you want to end the day draped in roses but the thing is though is that like if he can get ahead of the pack at the right time then I feel like there would be a good chance where he, where he, I don't think Midnight Bourbon would win the race, but possibly uh, either finish in second or third, maybe just outside of that. But uh, that's a horse definitely to pay attention to with the 20 to 1 odds right there. And another one I want to uh, talk about is Medina Spirit, who is 15 to 1 right now. Um, Medina Spirit has always given a solid effort this season uh, so far, finishing first or second in each of his five career starts, um, uh, but didn't have, but going back to the Santa Anita Derby, he really didn't have enough there. So it all depends on like what Medina Spirit can do against the deeper field at Churchill Downs. But looking at Medina Spirit, um, uh, he's trained by Bob Baffert. And Bob Baffert is the trainer in horse racing, very well known, obviously. Um, never really go against a Bob Baffert horse, honestly. I mean, I personally, whenever it comes to this time of the year uh, with the Kentucky Derby and even the Preakness and Belmont Stakes, I never, I don't like Bob Baffert to be honest. I, 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 I there's just something about him where I don't like him. But man's a winner. He finds a way to win with his horses. Um, so I'm not going to go up against the Bob Baffert horse, honestly. And I feel like Medina Spirit could eventually find a way to, uh, you know, either any, any finish anywhere in the top five, honestly. I know that fourth and fifth really don't matter in horse racing. That's either win, place, or show. But 
a respective, but anywhere in the top five would be respectable for a horse uh, at 15 to one odds, if you ask me. No, yeah, I 100% agree with you on that as well. 15 to one odds are another good betting odds. Um, definitely make some money off of that money to be made there for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing that I mean, uh, Going, going off of the betting perspective, I mean, you know, 15 to 1 odds right there, that could, you know, that could get you a good payday, get you a good payday depending on how much you put into that, into betting on these horses. But, um, uh, I mean, pretty much, sim- it's pretty simple here. Um, pretty much essential quality is the race to lose. Um, it would be a shock if essential quality did not win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, given that he is undefeated, given that he is two to one odds on favored right now. Obviously, as we're recording this podcast, the odds could change up until post time uh, at 6.57 on Saturday. Um, it also depends on the uh, current conditions of the track and the weather as well in Louisville on race day. But those are all factors that those are all factors that uh will be put more into consideration as we approach race day and even the time of the race itself uh, more and more. But as for right now, things are looking things are looking pretty simple for the most part uh, in terms of making your predictions. If you want to go out and make some betting on, uh, on the race itself, uh, pretty straightforward there if you ask me. Um, it all depends, uh, you know, betting on essential quality not going to get much anyways so that's pro so that's why if you want to try and make some money take a look at some of the longer shots that we had just talked about uh or don't if you're not a gambling person but uh overall i'm uh, overall you know 657 post time um fastest two minutes in sports the run for the rose (laughs) is always a good always a good time to just you know sit in front of the tv for a couple minutes and uh just uh, just watch some good horse racing um, I always enjoy it. I'm pretty sure you do the same too. Uh, diehard horse racing fans do obviously do as well. Um, uh, the uh, the night the the rich people that uh, got invited that got uh, able to attend the Kentucky Derby this year are certainly going to enjoy it themselves as well. But uh, just to be a jealous fuck, I hope it rains just for the sake of uh, <laughs> they can be miserable that day. Don't be but, petty. <laughs> I can be pe- well. I can be petty if I want, but uh, I'm not going to be too petty there. But um, uh, overall, I think it'll be an inter- an interesting race. I hope it's not. I hope it's not a complete blowout in terms of uh, the odds on favor just blowing the, f- the field away. I hope it's a close race. I always enjoy those. But uh, any other thoughts uh, on the Kentucky Derby uh, before we go on to our next topic, sir? No, I think I'm all set with the Kentucky Derby. I mean, for just us casual sports fans, it's another day to drink. So. Another yeah. excuse to drink for us. Another, another day to drink, another day to, uh, just another event to gamble on. Right. And with that, and with that, we are going to move on to our next topic then, which is the new NHL TV contract that is due to take effect next season in the 2021-22 season. Uh, so NBC is out. NBC is done. Gonzo, bye. See ya. Get the fuck out. Okay. The NHL decided to go into a different direction, completely different direction than what they were doing uh, with NBC the past ten se- the past um uh, fi- the past fifteen whatever seasons uh, since the uh, two thousand five lockout with NBC. They have agreed to two 
seven-year television streaming and media rights deals with uh, Turner Sports as well as ABC and ESPN. So this will be the first time since the 1998-99 season that the NHL will have two television deals put in place. Um, I will just do a quick breakdown of both deals. Uh, so going into the first deal reached with ABC and ESPN, One, like I said, it's a seven-year deal. Um, ABC will have exclusive coverage of the Stanley Cup Finals uh, in four of the seven years of the deal. Half of the Stanley Cup playoffs will be on ABC and ESPN each season. ABC or ESPN will have 25 exclusive national regular season games, along with 75 national regular season games that will stream exclusively on ESPN Plus and also Hulu. And what 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 will become formally known as NHL t- NHL.tv will be available only as part of the ESPN Plus subscription, where you can see any out-of-market games that you choose to, uh, excluding blackout restrictions. Um, now going into the Turner deal, like again, it's a seven-year television and multimedia rights deal that will begin in 2021 and 2022. Turner Sports will have the exclusive coverage of the Stanley Cup final in three to seven years, half of the Stanley Cup playoffs each season. This will be the first time in the history of TNT and TBS that they will get the Stanley Cup final and the Stanley Cup playoffs. And they will also get up to 72 regular season games and the NHL Winter Classic each season. And the Bleacher Report platform will also get expansive digital and highlight rights as well. So what do you think of all this? I like the fact that the NHL finally got away from NBC and NBCSN. Um, I, my main thing with this, I mean, I'm clearly happy the NHL has two, <clears throat> two streaming services now that you can use to watch the games. Well, TV companies and then streaming services, but, uh, I think it'll be a good way to grow the game as well. I'll get more eyes on it, especially now that it's just not on just solely like how it was NBC. Um, now you have two stations who can play games. So you can get more games on a night, but I am just, there's two things I'm really hoping for that they um, expose the game better. Like I don't want to sit here and watch the fucking Dallas stars go on and take the Detroit Red Wings when Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews are playing each other, or you got the battle of Alberta going on. I would love to see those games instead. I just hope they, do their I get every team needs to be put on TV, but um or they try to, but you need to make sure you can grow the game and to make it for what just a casual hockey fan wants to see. Like I just I like guys don't want to sit down and watch to a boring game. They'd rather sit down and watch like superstars go head to head or like a big rivalry going on all the time. Um especially next year with the NHL hopefully gonna get back to the regular schedule that they typically have with the 82 games playing every team. Um, I would just like to see that where we can see it to see the rivalries instead of the, uh, you know, the same old like Boston Bruins all the time. Like I swear every single time I turned on NBCS on, there was always the Bruins or like the Rangers playing Philadelphia, like every single night. And it gets very, very boring. Then my second thing with this is I really hope that they can bring in some good, um, like intermission guys, like how NBA and TNT has uh, like Charles Barkley and Shaq 
Um, I hope the NHL can bring in some guys with some personality because I hated on NBCSN where you guys say I was watching the Blackhawks game and they just when as soon as you can you just gotta run down of what happened that period. Like I just watched that period for a reason. Like I don't wanna know from you guys that the Blackhawks need to break out better after I just watched for the past twenty minutes that the Blackhawks could have break out of their own fucking zone. We don't wanna see hear that. We want guys with some personality, with some like character. Like hopefully like Jeremy Roenick can come back in. Um bring a guy in like like a Don Cherry. I doubt uh Don Cherry ever gets a job, but uh again, but I want guys with personality in the booth. I'll make it fun to watch intermission so you don't got to sit there and just kind of drag on for the 17 minutes that NHL intermission is. Um, I hope they just – I just want fun guys in the booth up there. They can make it a lot of fun. Um, like I said, just guys with personalities so are not a duds. Like, make crack jokes. It's okay to have fun. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. I completely agree with you there. Um, uh, so I am, for one, glad that NBC decided to finally end their uh, street, their relationship with the NHL and finally end uh, the exclusive rights that they had for the last pl- decade plus. Because like you, uh, I hated NBC. I absolutely hated NBC's coverage of the National Hockey League. I thought it was garbage. I thought it was dog shit. Um they kept making up fake rivalries for uh, Wednesday night. Uh, when they had the Wednesday night rivalry before it became just Wednesday night hockey, they would make up all these fake rivalries. But then whenever they would also just showcase other games, it would always be the same teams. Like we would see, like, uh, like I don't know about you, but I'm sorry to say this. Like I, I, I did not give a fuck to see Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin uh, this, like four times in one month on NBCSN, especially if, especially if you have, like, Connor McDavid playing up against Austin Matthews uh, at the same time. Like, expo- they could have definitely exposed the Canadian teams a lot more to, to the American fan base. They didn't need to keep putting on the Boston Bruins, especially since nobody really likes the Boston Bruins, honestly, unless you live in New England. Unless you live in New England and nobody gives a fuck about the Boston Bruins. They hate – people hate them. They hate Brad Marchand. They hate players. They hate, they hate those players. They don't give a fuck okay and then even out and then even out west um they really haven't been exposing the colorado avalanche who have who are probably the best team in hockey right now and have been on the up on the up and up the past few seasons um they they have in my opinion beat off the vegas golden knights a lot uh i mean i don't blame them in a way because they came an out exciting like team yeah they came out like a ball of fire as an expansion team but it kills me. Like it's the same. It was always the same teams. It was always the Bruins, the Penguins, the Golden Knights, uh, the Sharks. Um, but the thing is, like you know, those teams. Like I was, oh, the Rangers, the Flyers. Like you said, like I, I didn't give. A, I'm sorry. Like I don't want to see the Philadelphia Flyers play the Boston Bruins like five times in a month. Uh, especially if, especially if the games are boring or if Boston's just beating up on Philly. I don't care. I want to see, like you said, the Battle of Alberta. I want to see Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews go head to head, two of the most exciting players in the game. I want to see I want to see the Colorado Avalanche on TV more. Um uh, and that's what I like about this new deal, especially with ESPN. Um how uh, they are acquiring NHL.tv so since I have an ESPN Plus subscription through my Disney Plus bundle, if the, if there's, I can actually watch the 
them those games now to help us. So it's wonderful that they have that now so they can grow the game just not for just not for a casual fan but also try and gain a new audience as well and another thing i like too is that espn is going to be showing at least 100 games a season on a national basis uh not just on their network but also through their streaming platform too and then turner and then turner is going to be adding another 75 games to their national audience as well. So it just makes me wonder, like, you know, okay, are they going to be showing, like, one game a night, two games a night? I understand that. I uh, And how many nights a week are they going to be showing games on their networks, too? But that's all up for that's all up for when the schedule comes out for next season, too. But seeing that excites me, like I said, because it'll help grow the game, not just for the casual fan, but also try and bring in a new audience. And the NHL has been trying to bring in a new audience for years. I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, let's be honest here. The uh, National Hockey League, I would say, is probably the bo- like close to the bottom of the barrel when it comes to having a huge fan base out of the four major sports here in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, like, you know, everybody talk, everybody talks about and beats off the NBA and the NFL. Uh, and Major League Baseball is closer to the NHL than they are to the NBA and NFL. I mean, we're, pre, we're what, a month and a half? Uh, uh, almost, we're a month into baseball, a month uh, into baseball season right now almost. Uh, almost uh, getting into the second month of baseball season. And everything I've been seeing the past few days is uh, the NFL draft uh, that's coming up uh, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, Thursday night. Uh, we're getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs almost, and nobody's really talking about them. So, uh, so with these new TV deals and streaming deals that uh, the NHL has, maybe hockey coverage can be more extensive, not just for us as fans, but also for new fans as well. Exactly, and I hope, I hope they realize like. Uh, if you live in Canada, every single Saturday night you have hockey night in Canada. You're getting to see a prime, like kind of like kind of like a primetime game every week, every Saturday night. You can look forward to it. Where in America, like we don't do that. We no. have like games, like I'm sure, like NBC. They, they typically will have games on most Saturday nights when they're there. But we just make it like a national broadcast. You want to make it like a good game for people to watch to get excited about. Oh, exactly. Like uh, Hockey Night in Canada has that. We could have Hockey Night in America on Saturday night too, uh, to compete with it. I would say, like you have, like, like you know, Canada, Canada will always have, like, whether not you know the the Canadians going up against the Leafs or the or, or the Leafs will play the Senators or whatever, some sort of old school rivalry up there. Try and find rivalries that people know about in the National Hockey League and put them on ABC or TNT on a Saturday night uh, to gain exposure for them. I understand. Um, uh, so, And it, I think it'll help grow the game as well because uh, currently, I mean, ABC does NBA Saturday primetime and they, I, I mean, it's always like the same, like four or five teams there. But the thing is, though, is they still get good ratings for that. So hopefully one or both of these networks will take that into consideration 
for like a Saturday primetime matchup uh, between, you know, a top team and a top team in the top teams in the East or top teams in the West or some sort of rivalry matchup there, which would be interesting to see. But um, uh, going off of the personalities uh, in terms of who both networks could bring in for their coverage, um, it's going to be interesting to see, honestly, who they bring in, honestly, because I'm not going to lie. I thought I thought almost all of NBC's people kind of fucking suck, honestly. I mean, they had Mike Milbury, who honestly, the game has gone past him and he's kind of a sexist, fu- kind of a sexist fuck, which is why he was fired in the first place and will probably never get hired anywhere in hockey again. Um, uh, and then I'm sorry, like Keith Jones, boring. Um, Patrick Sharp, I liked him as a player, don't like him as an analyst. I mean, he's not bad, but he's not great. Um, the relationship with Pierre, Pierre McGuire, like as an analyst, like he's not like you love him, you hate him, kind of in kind of both. Um, and then also the announce, and then also the announcers that NBC had too. Um, not really great, honestly. I mean, it kind of sucked that Doc Emmerich uh, retired at the end of the 2020 season, but. I mean, you got to retire eventually. You, you, you know when your time is up. But the announcers that they have uh, to replace him kind of really weren't doing it for me. So hopefully um, uh, ESPN gets it right and brings back Gary Thorne to uh, call their games. It'll be interesting to see who Turner brings in for hockey personalities because, like we said, this is the first time that they're going to be covering hockey. So uh, do you want to try and bring in somebody that's charismatic like Charles Barkley, or do you want to try and play the safe route? I wanted to bring in Jeremy Roenick, to be honest. I would love to see Jeremy Roenick back in the booth. Um, he could be an exciting personality. Uh, or you could go the really out there out, bring in like a Paul Bissonette or like a Ryan Whitney. I know they have the uh, Pink Whitney or the uh, the Spit and Chickas podcast now, but those are two – Fun guys to listen to talking about hockey. I'm sure they'd have to tone it back a little bit if they're going to be on TV. But I mean, right now, uh, Biss and that he works for the um, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, yeah, he looks- I guess, yeah, I couldn't. I was thinking Phoenix. Like, I still want to say the Phoenix Coyotes all the time. But I say that name, it's such a weird name change to me still. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see him out there. I, he could be a fun personality. I doubt Ryan Whitney would do it, but he's another fun personality out there. Um, the problem is with hockey, you don't get <clears throat> these personalities coming out like you do. Um, like you do like basketball players where they show their personality. Hockey players, you don't ever get to really see their personality. So you don't know, for the most part, you don't know what they'll be able to bring to the table. Exactly, because hockey like is still in that serious persona. Whereas, like with basketball and football, uh, they're uh, they the analysts that you see there they try to bring out their personalities, uh, and make it more fun. Whereas, hockey, the NHL, like really hasn't had that happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, going back to Ronick, I mean, like he had his he was a fun personality, but then all but then, um, obviously had to be let go due to uh issues uh that happened off uh off air. And then also Don Cherry, like you said, old-time analyst for uh, CBC uh, with the Hockey Night in Canada. And his coach's corner was always like a staple. But uh, because of off-air issues uh, and com- and stuff like that, he had to uh, be let go there. But then again, Don Cherry's also up in age, too. So I don't think he would actually even be considered. Mm-hmm. More because of the age situation than, uh, other st- than the other factors, honestly. 
Um, uh, but honestly, like it all depends too. Like I, I, it would be interesting for me to see like whether or not both networks like reach out to, um, uh, TSN personalities like uh, Darren Dreger and Bob McKenzie and even uh, Ray Ferraro or even Sportsnet personalities like Elliot Friedman. Oh, I'm also forgetting Pierre Lebrun too um, uh, from TSN. So, I mean, they're not, they're, they're, they're not like, you know, big name personnel. They're not big name people that we all know about, but uh, their knowledge of hockey and they try to make it as much fun as they can. Obviously it's different up in Canada compared to here, but uh, those are names that uh, I would hope to see just because of their knowledge of hockey and they try to make it as fun as possible uh, when it comes to covering it. But then again, I also, I'm not Jeff Zucker, work, uh, the head of Turner Sports, and I'm also not in charge of ESPN either. So that's just me coming from a fan. Uh, I would love to see those people. Oh, yeah. I, I, to be honest, I'm not a huge Elliot Friedman fan, but – I get I get where you're going with that. You could bring in kind of those kind of personalities into the booth. Um, anything's gonna be better than the guys at NBC. I mean, really, throw me and you in the booth. We're gonna do fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the only thing is uh, we'd get fired on day one. The first f bomb we drop, we drop an f bomb first. I, uh, first, the first puck drop, or even before, or even before, like if we're doing like. Uh, pre and post game coverage we drop an f-bomb about how somebody's out of the lineup because they got injured and we're and next thing you know yep they're yanking us it's over <laughs> i mean it'll be, be a hell of a ride for that one day wouldn't it now it would be just don't have us cover the sabers and we'll be fine right don't yeah, don't have me cover the sabers because i would be drunk on air after seeing how bad this team can just get it for the next 10 years <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't even try to. I wouldn't even try to cover the team, honestly. Uh, but um, uh, another no. day, another loss. Another day, another loss. Yeah, another day, another another day, another game, another uh, thought process that uh, makes me contemplate why I'm even a fan. But it is what it is. <laughs> We've already had that conversation. But uh, overall, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, what uh, both uh, ESPN and Turner Sports uh, bring to the table for hockey. Um, both networks have now exclusive coverage on a national basis for the NHL and the NBA, just to bring that up uh, for for our viewers. So hopefully, especially Turner, I would love to see the uh, creative uh, creativeness that uh, they bring to the NBA, to the NHL. Uh, ESPN's basketball coverage, um, uh, well, in-game coverage really could be better, in my opinion. So hopefully it's not that bad. But uh, again, it's uh, it's all up to them. The ball, the puck is the puck's in their the puck's on their court, the puck's on their ice for the most part. So uh, it's up to them. See what happens. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, any more thoughts there or before we move on to our next topic, sir? Um, no, I think we really hit everything. Just happy that they got these two deals done. Um, good for the NHL. It's going to bring some good money in for the teams now as well. Hopefully it helps with the salary cap after how this season was with COVID and everything. I know football was the same way. So good on them, and let's hopefully it works out for them. Hopefully ESPN actually the only problem I think I'm worried about, I know you touched on this earlier, but ESPN just does know how to cover hockey. So I hope they bring in the right people for this job. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, at one point they knew what they were doing with hockey, but then, like, once they lost it, they kind of just, like, forgot how to cover hockey and focused on other sports. But I think they'll get back to uh, 
I think they'll get back back to basics with covering hockey, uh, how things used to be before the lockout uh, happened 15, uh, 15, 16 years ago now. So, uh, like I said, looking forward to what the future holds in terms of coverage for the National Hockey League. But with that being said, I want to move on to our next topic now, which is uh, whether or not a seven-inning no-hitter is still considered a no-hitter. Over the weekend, Madison Bumgarner pitched a no-hitter. The only problem was that uh, it was a a seven-inning no-hitter because he part he pitched in the second game of a seven inning doubleheader, and well, Major League Baseball and their fucking infinite wisdom under the jackass leadership of Rob Manfred declared that seven inning no hitters are not no hitters, even though seven inning games count if you partake in a in a doubleheader. Your thoughts, sir? Um, I I, I get where they're coming from. Um. Because like my I I don't know because my thing when I look I could go both ways I can make an argument for both sides. So let me go to the one side right now where I'm gonna hit bring in the golf analogy. If you hit a hole in one on a par three course, would you still count it as a hole in one? Would I hole in one's a hole in one in my opinion? I mean, it's... Well, but it's not actually like counted as. It depends on the person for that. But um, it's not technically counted like as a hole in one. Like I wouldn't, so I would say he didn't really get to finish those last two innings. Like I, so my comparison there is just like, it's not the real thing. I guess like you only get so many chances to hit a hole in one on a normal course where you get like probably four to five, depending on the course. Um, so with the no hitter and the no seven inning no hitter, it's just tough because. Yeah, the game's only seven innings, but a no-hitter is typically through nine. But then again, if they're going to count the game as seven, I could also get the argument as to why you are you would say yes, but I'm going to stick with no on this. I would say it's not a no-hitter. Okay. okay. Just because I, 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 like, with my golf analogy, like, I see where I would stand on that. So Yeah, yeah I see exactly where you're coming from with your golf analogy, but – I'm going to disagree with you on this one, uh, mainly just because of Major League Baseball's infinite wisdom and Rob Manfred's idiotic leadership. Um, if they're allowing seven inning games to be played for double headers and something like this happens, I don't even think they considered that. I don't even think they've thought this into consideration as if it would happen. And here we are. It happened. I'm going to now. Things aren't things aren't always put into consideration when uh, rules are changed or thing or you know certain scenarios have to change given situations. Obviously, because of the co because of last season being the COVID season for baseball, seven inning doubleheaders counted. Major League Baseball, in their infinite wisdom, decided to count seven inning doubleheaders again and accept them and have seven inning right. games be official games. Along I with don't the, like that idea, anyways. I do like that idea. I do like that idea, but um, uh, there were a couple other rules that uh, they had that they allowed to happen that I don't like. But that's another conversation for another day. But I'm going to bring up. I'm going to bring up the rep- the report the the replacement referees a few years back in the National Football League when the referees uh, were striking against the league because they're 
their CBA had expired and they were trying to negotiate a new, a new collective bargaining agreement uh, with the league themselves. So the league had to bring in the replacement refs. And we all remember the Monday night football game at the end between the Seattle Seahawks and the Green Bay Packers. And one ref put up touchdown and the other ref was waving income was waving interception or incomplete pass and then they could and then pete carroll ran over there trying to figure out what the hell was going on mike mccarthy uh, was on the other sideline dumbfounded and then you know we all know what happened after that they called a touchdown for the seahawks the game was all day the game was over and then the next day the uh, replacement refs were gone and the real officials were brought back in. Uh, my analogy probably isn't great with this one, but the thing is, though, is, uh, you know, that just go. Uh, uh, in terms of comparing it to a no hitter that should that may or may not be a no hitter, uh, it's bad. But in terms of scenarios that leagues don't put into consideration, just in terms of general incompetence. Uh, that's where I'm following this into there just to uh, clarify. So the NFL failed to put into consideration something of that nature where miscommunication happens. Major League Baseball failed to put into consideration whether or not a no-hitter or perfect game would be pitched in in seven innings. Um, And I understand that the likelihood of a no-hitter or perfect game, uh, I wouldn't say it's slim and none, but given – but this season is very much different given how the offense uh, on a general consensus is awful throughout major league baseball. But over the past few seasons, we have been looking at record setting offenses across the league uh, over the past few years. So so major league baseball just probably failed to consider it like, Hey, what if the likelihood of a no hitter or perfect game happens in one of these double header games? even though we're going to count these games as official. Then you go into college, or then you look at college uh, where games are only seven, seven innings uh, for baseball and softball and how, and no hitters get tossed there and the NCAA recognizes them. So it kind of upsets me that Madison Bumgarner threw a no hit through no hitter. He did not allow a single hit on the score sheet. The score key, the, the, the scorekeeper said no hits. And yet Major League Baseball is failing to acknowledge, hey, this guy threw a no-hitter. But that's also probably but that's also because of a rule that Major League Baseball Im- implemented saying that a no-hitter has to count if it's only nine innings. And that was set a few years back. So Major League Baseball kind of contradicted itself with that, be- with this with this situation, because they count seven inning games as official games. But yet, no hitters can only count if they're nine. Yeah, um, it's very complicated. But I'm not going to take away what Madison Bumgarner did. I he threw no he threw he didn't allow any hits. He did not allow a single person to get a hit off of him. And you can't take that away from him. I say it's a no hitter. I understand what Major League Baseball is saying there. I don't like what Major League Baseball is saying, mainly because of their incompetence and leadership uh, over the past few seasons. But um, that's just my opinion there. Um, I, I We will agree to disagree there, but I see where you're coming from with your golf analogy, and I think you see where I'm coming from as, as well. Would you say so? I, I see where you're coming from as well, but my thing still goes is like, most no hitters are broken in like the ninth inning. 
Like, if it gets towards the seventh inning, you typically it gets broken in the ninth. So, I just, I don't know. I still, like, I see where you're coming from with the Major League Baseball. Like, they should have took this into consideration on making these games. Like, I get where you're coming from saying if they're calling it a game, then why isn't his uh, game where he pitched seven a, a no-hitter? Why isn't that count as a no-hitter, but you still get a win or loss on the record? So, I get that, but I also, like, I don't know. I just can't bring myself to say, yeah, it's no hitter because he has. So if you think like, so if he pitched nine innings, he's still got three bat, three batters. He'd have six batters left, and God knows how many pitchers he would have left, depending on what the batters did. So you just, I don't know. It's just hard. No, I I understand that because anything can happen in those two innings, mm-hmm. and it all depends on what his pitch count too is. I mean, may, depending on how stupid the manager is. I, do- I doubt he gets pulled though. But even with that pitch count, just because if he's throwing that no hitter through seven, he's at least staying in until he gives up what, a hit. Gives up a hit. Oh, um, but I just but I don't know. You still you still have two innings there left to go. Like I don't know. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt, anything can happen in the eighth or ninth innings. Um, uh, like you said, if a no hitter goes past seven. If it does, if a no hitter does not happen, it most likely gets broken up in those eighth and ninth innings. So I see where you're coming from there, but like I said, we'll, we'll we under we are going to disagree on our, with uh, with on this. But the thing is, though, is both of us see where each of us are coming from, so that's always good there. I know that this has been the talk of uh, this was the talk of Major League Baseball for uh, a couple a couple days there. Uh, and pro- who knows, and probably will be the talk, like not as big of a discussion, but probably will still be a minor discussion in terms of like whether or not, uh, you know, anything changes on that. But um, uh, yeah, that though, I, I think I think both of us make very good points there. It could be debated on both sides. Um, but uh, with that being said, I want to go into our next uh, topic there and our fi- our final topic for the podcast for the most part um uh, and it's the top and it's the Premier League Hall of Fame so the Premier League the top league over in English soccer has unveiled a Hall of Fame dedicated to some of the greatest players that have ever played in the illustrious history of the Premier League uh, going back to its inception in 1992 and its first two inductees were announced earlier this week, uh, and they were Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer. Now, do you think that Thierry Henry and Alan Shearer were the best picks to be the first two inductees as a part of this Premier League Hall of Fame? Uh, well, I mean, with so I honestly think any of the so you know how they put out the shortlist. Yes, yes, I know how they put out the shortlist. I think yes. any, honestly, any of these players, I would have been fine with for the first two. But um, no, I think I would say they're the right picks to me. I mean, <clears throat> Alan Shear is probably one of the best center uh, center forwards to ever play the game. Um, you can agree on that, I think, with me. Oh yeah, I mean he he was just a natural goal scorer, and then Thierry Henry just changed the game of football forever. Um, he won four what he won four Golden Boots and two Player of the Season awards, and he got 
he brought Arsenal two Premier League titles. Oh yeah, Thierry Henry. Uh... I, I think so. I think Thierry Henry definitely should have been number one. I think Alan Shear could have been interchangeable, but I still like the picks. Oh, I mean, I complete. I agree with you. I don't think Shear would have been interchangeable, but I think these are two best options to be the first two inductees. Alan Shearer being the all-time uh, record goal scorer for the Premier League uh, with 260 goals. He's a Premier League champion, two-time uh, Premier League player of the year as well. Um, honestly, like you said, just a natural-born finisher and probably one of the greatest strikers that uh, the Premier League has ever seen. And uh, Thierry Henry, honestly, the resume is, speaks for itself. He was included in the uh, PFA Team of the Year in six consecutive Premier League seasons. He was the Premier League Player of the Season in 2003, 2004, and 2005, 2006 seasons. Four-time Golden Boot winner in the Premier League. Two of those seasons, he won the European Golden Shoe. He was the Ballon d'Or runner-up in 2003 when he had 20 goals, uh, 20 or more goals and 20 or more assists. And also, with that being the case, he's the only person in Premier League history, to my knowledge, to have scored 20-plus goals and have 20-plus assists in the same season in the Premier League. Um, so the resume speaks for itself, along with his two Premier League titles. Forgot to mention, he was also a part of the uh, the Invincibles. Yeah, I was just getting into that part of the Invincibles. Uh, Arsenal's uh, unbeaten season in 2003-2004, huge ca- catalyst uh, there. Um, so like I said, the resume speaks for itself there, honestly. And the thing is, though, is like in my like, and I'm sure you'll attest to this. Uh, if anybody tries to argue against these two as being the first two induct inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame, they really don't know a damn lick about football, honestly. No, I, yeah, they were both great picks. Um, I just said Shear could have been interchangeable because I know he would have got in in the next shortlist. Oh yeah, I get yeah. He, he what he finished had 260 goals, right? For, yeah, 200. In his yes. career, and he played for Blackburn for a season. He won a, he won the title with Blackburn, right? And then he went and played for Newcastle for yeah. 14, 15 years. Yeah, he played for yeah he played for uh, he played for uh, new he played in the Premier League for Blackburn and Newcastle for his career, winning the title in ninety four ninety five season, and then returned to his hometown Newcastle, where he eventually became the uh, all time goal scorer in club history. And that's where he pretty much made his mark mm-hmm. uh, as a Premier League legend uh, for the most part. I, and I'm not taking away anything that he did at Blackburn either, but uh, more people remember his time finally at Newcastle uh, with some of the magical moments that he had there on Tyneside. But, um, uh, yeah, we'll t- with what he did at Blackburn too, being a Premier League, uh, being a Premier League uh, player of the season, Premier League champion, um, so that's uh, so the career that he had at both clubs uh, speaks for itself. Honestly, I understand the team accolades weren't uh, there at Newcastle, being for, being where Newcastle were in the Premier League at the time, um, more middle of the run club as opposed to being relegation threatened club like they are now. So, to those that don't really follow English English soccer on the podcast that listen to the podcast, Newcastle United really not one of the greatest clubs in English soccer in terms of the team success, mm-hmm. but they, but they do have, uh, they've had some good players come through their club and, uh, and play for their club. So 
they and because of that they have a loyal fan base and uh you know Alan Shearer is probably the cream of the crop when it comes to players to have ever uh donned the uh black and white stripes uh on time side yeah but um, uh, going into the shortlist now, I do want to just quickly name off the 23-man shortlist here and see uh, who you would pick out of the 23 as your six uh, nominees. Uh, it's, so I was confused. It's, so it's six extra after the first two, so we're going to have eight inductees? Or not do we only pick four? Okay, so okay, I was confused. I didn't know if they were doing – I don't know if the six included uh, Sheer and Henry no. or if it's a separate six. Okay. No, it's a separate six. It's oh, a this. separate six. So Shearer and Henry were the first two. They were they were, they were, were the first two. This 23-man shortlist here with the nominees, you can vote for six of them to go into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, whoever has the most – out of the 23, whatever six have the most votes, they will be inducted into the class of 2021 as well at a later time. So I just want to list off the players first, and then I just want to see, like, what your six picks would be, and then I'll go into my six picks. So starting off with the nominees, uh, we have Tony Adams, David Beckham, Dennis Bergkamp, Sol Campbell, Eric Cantona, Andy Cole, Ashley Cole, Didier Drogba, Les Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, Robbie Fowler, Steven Gerrard, Roy Keane, Frank Lampard, Matt Letizia, Michael Owen, Peter Schmeichel, Paul Scholes, John Terry, Robin Van Persie, Nemanja Vidic, Patrick Vieira, and Ian Wright. So for those out of those twenty three, like who would you say your six are? Well, obviously, all twenty three of these players will end up in the Hall of Fame one day. However, the Premier League wants to do it, but uh, so for my six, I think for me this is this is what I had mine. Um, so I would I went Drogba, Gerard, Keane, Lampard, John Terry. And uh, Vieira, Vieira. Okay, okay. Um, uh, care to? I mean, uh, care to just go uh, into uh, some reasoning as you as why you picked those six, sir? Well, so with Frank Lampard, I was actually on the fence with him or Scholes, um, and I just decided to go with Henri and or Terry and Lampard, both Chelsea players. Um. John Terry, just a legend of that club altogether. Both of them uh, brought the, the city. Uh, how many titles did they win together? It was like three? Um, Terry won five Premier League titles as a Chelsea captain, and I believe Lampard was part of four of those titles. Okay, so, so okay. But, so that's why I picked those two. They're just – John Terry is just a legend at that club. Um, Roy Keane, I mean – you love him. He is just a great player all around. Um, Stevie G, Steven Gerrard, I had to throw in there just because I'm a Liverpool boy. Um, but I think Steven Gerrard is the best midfielder to ever grace the Premier League, in my opinion. I think you might have some arguments about that. But, oh, um, I do. Oh, I know you do. But uh, 186 goals. Uh, he's got two FA Cups, three League Cups, a Champions League, a UEFA Cup, a UEFA Super League, and one Community Shield. And there's, no there's Premier League. There's no, there's no Premier League in there, but it doesn't matter. Um, had played 700, 
Seven he's got zero, everybody. He's got zero. Seven, 710 games. Um, I think 114 caps for England. I believe my writing is correct. Can't really read it right now. I write like a four-year-old. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay because you know, is I love the I love that you're bringing up all this stuff about Steven Gerrard, but honestly. None of it matters. I mean, the only thing that really matters is like what he did in the Premier League, and I and I, even though he's won no Premier League titles, hey, there, I named him all the well besides the UEFA stuff. He has some domestic cups, so he can piss right off. No, no, what I'm saying is like everything that counts is toward for the Premier well, League. Clearly, but I'm just saying, giving you my reasoning as to why I put Stephen Gerrard in there, I think he should be part of your six. You're a liar. Oh. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not part of my six. I'm not saying that he's part not part of my six at all. But like I said, I'm only putting since it's only the Premier League Hall of Fame, I'm putting into consideration what they did for the Premier League. So my six is gonna be different than your six in a way. Um so I'm going to start off with Eric Cantona as my first part pick of my six. Then I'm gonna have the midfield trio of Lampard, Gerard, and Scholes. Um then I'm also going to put in Ashley Cole. And then I'm also going to round out with John Terry, honestly. Um, so I'm going to go off with the midfield trio first. I'm just going to talk about them. I mean, yeah, I, I, as a United fan, I kind of like to shit on Gerard a little bit because he never won a Premier League title. But um, he is one of the greatest mid. All three of them are the three greatest midfielders to have ever graced the Premier League, who, in my opinion. All right, who did you say I, I missed? Who your three midfielders were? Gerard Lampard and Scholes. I we're, I'm putting them all in at the okay. same time. Um, uh, may, and I've thought about this too because the thing is, though, is like we really don't need the internet. One thing that really kind of like irks me of like the announcement of this shortlist and also the two inductees, there's a lot of internet trolls out there that don't know a lick about the fucking game or a lick about the Premier League and its history. So it's just fan, it's just trolls that support any like the quote-unquote big six clubs, and they're just like, oh, okay, like, no, they, this person doesn't belong, this person doesn't belong, this person, uh, ha- this person has more trophies to, than this club does, and it's like, no, it's what, it's f- what they accomplished in the Premier League. Gerard's numbers speak for themselves, even though he never won a league. His, his- you know, gonna keep you, why are you going to keep bringing that up? Because <laughs> I like to. That, to that, that he should have won Premier League at least. He should. He should. But I'm not going to go more into it because I, I'll, I'll argue just a little bit more, but I'm not going to for the sake of that. Thanks. But uh, Lampard and Scholes. Scholes really doesn't have the not like. Scholes doesn't have the numbers like Lampard and Gerrard do. But the thing is, though, is that Scholes still has enough numbers um, for. Scholes has enough numbers to be like what he is classified as a box to box midfielder. He is probably one of the best box to box midfielder in the history of the Premier League, one of the best English midfielders of all time, too, alongside the other ones. And then Frank Lampard, his goals and assists, uh, you know, numbers speak for themselves, too. Uh, another true, another another midfielder that honestly exceeded expectations, mm-hmm. especially with being the highest scoring midfielder in the history of the Premier League. And he also and fun fact for those that don't know that don't really follow the game, even though he's a midfielder, when he retired from English football and football altogether, he had more Premier League goals scored than Thierry Henry. 
he scored I he scored more goals uh, in a, in the Premier League than Thierry Henry did, and Thierry Henry was a striker. So I understand that 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 you know a few years away from the Premier League, you know, didn't don't do really Thierry Henry justice on that. But when you look at the list, you see Frank Lampard above that. So well, how many years did Lampard play in the Premier League? Well, is it like fifteen? Yeah, he has 177 goals. So yeah, 15. Whereas Thierry Henry only played, not only played, he played from 99 to 07. So he's only got eight there. Yeah. So, but then again, that's all. But then again, you know, it also just goes to show how much of a genius Henry was. But going back off to my six there, I think, I think the midfield trio of those three deserve to go in because they're the three greatest to uh, grace the midfield in the Premier League. Um, Ashley Cole, honestly, one of the best left backs of all time, mm-hmm. the, uh, the greatest English left back of all, of, of this generation, in my opinion, older English generations will argue that. Um, uh, but that's also just because like the older generation and younger generations like to argue just about almost anything on any given day, but the accolades that Ashley Cole have speak for themselves too, uh, being part of Arsenal's invincible, uh, Premier League winning squad of 0304, but then also when he went to Chelsea, Chelsea. winning numerous accolades uh, and also individual uh, team accolades and individual accolades as well. Uh, John Terry, um, I've thought about picking Nemanja Vidic over John Terry, in my honest opinion, being a United fan, but Terry. Uh, John Terry just has that class. Really doesn't have class off the pitch, but I'm not judging off the pitch. We're talking, talking about on the pitch. Class. We're talking about on the pitch, not off the pitch <laughs> issues here. But um, uh, on the pitch, Ter- John Terry, you know, the banner speaks for itself. Chelsea captain, leader, legend, um, five Premier League titles. The only person not to play for Manchester United to win five Premier League titles. Um and then also just individual accolades for his time in the Premier League as well. Mm-hmm. Speak for themselves as well. And then I want to go on to my last one, Eric Cantona, who I would pick first. Um, the numbers, as in, the numbers, in terms of goals and assists, really aren't there for his time in the Premier League. He was part of the Premier League when it was in its infancy, playing in it from '92 to when he retired in '97. And I understand that he had an eight-month ban because he decided to kick a Crystal Palace fan in the face. But you know, fuck, uh, you know, when the trawler throws the when uh, the trawler throws the throws the fish, the seagulls come to it, or whatever the quote he said was. Uh, very interesting man altogether. But um, honestly, he was the first he was the first star of the Premier League, if you ask me. He he was a genius on and off the ball. Uh, when it came to watching him, I mean, I never ha- I never watched him uh, play in live, honestly, because obviously neither of us were alive even at the time of his retirement. He retired just before we were born at the age of thirty prematurely for for soccer. That's that's a premature retirement there. But uh, I've seen clips. I have seen highlights numerous times. Um, the one thing that always comes into my mind is that lob that he scored against Sunderland, and then like just the uh, turnaround, and he like puts his hands on it, and he puts his hands on his hips, and he just turns and looks at the crowd. That image like is 
forever in the minds of Manchester United fans and even, you know, fans of French football as well. Um, but again, I feel like those, those are my picks. Um, and like you said, though, each of these nominees deserve to go into the Premier League Hall of Fame in their own right. Um, and they all will eventually at some point um, because they all contributed to the success of the league in their own unique ways, whether it was winning Premier League titles or scoring uh, numerous Premier League goals or having numerous Premier League assists. Or, or even the just second best uh, defender behind Van Dyke in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 No, oh, but like, but all these men have graced Premier League with such class. Um, they all made the Premier League what it is. So all of these men, like we both said, will be in one day with, uh, without a question. I mean, this is the perfect first class to be betting on. Um, Beckham will be in there one day. I think it's might be still too early to put him in just now, in my opinion. But I mean, then I guess you could say that about a lot of these players. Oh, I mean, the thing is, though, is a lot of these players here are more like we and like when I first started watching, I started watching when I first started watching the Premier League, a lot of these players like I watched mm -hmm. like Ashley Cole, John Terry, Paul School, five of the six I picked. I, I, I watched at some point in in my life, uh, obviously not, you know, whether they're, they were on or whatnot. And even then, like and even and even then, like Didier Drugba. Uh, Rio Ferdinand, um, uh, Robin Van Persie, Nemanja Vidic, uh, were others that I watched. So a lot of these come from the last like 15 years mm -hmm. of the Premier League, whereas the others go back to when it was in, created in 1992. But the thing is, though, is like, um, they, I, you know, going back onto Beckham, Beckham was a great player when he played for United. Uh, uh, he was. He was phenomenal. I mean, the numbers were the numbers really aren't there because of mm. like what his position entails. But he was just a watching. great midfielder, one of the best of all time to ever do it. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, it's always debated whether or not if he focused more on on football than his, than his image and his brand, what could have happened in terms of his football career. But overall, I mean, to get not try and get sidetracked too much, Beckham deserves to be on this list. And his time in the Premier League, you know, was very successful, not just winning trophies with United, but also just individual accolades as well. But um, uh, I just do want to briefly talk about two people that were not mentioned in the nominees. Don't say and... gigs. Do not say gigs. I was going to say gigs. Well, why do you, why do you think he's not in there right now? You can't honor a man that's facing criminal charges. You can't honor a racist. John Terry's a fucking racist. I'm pretty sure everyone from England is racist. So you take out half these guys. Half these pro guys probably are racist. But yet, yes, I understand that Giggs is a woman beater. And so that's, why, that's, a why, that's why you can't put him in right now. That is the reason. Because I, th I thought about two when I first saw and then I realized, I'm like, oh, you can't honor a man that's criminal charges for beating yeah. a woman. Yeah, I understand that he's a woman. I understand that that he's. A you know, woman you go, beater. you go have your own ceremony for the woman beater and see. How no, that I'm not having a ceremony for a woman. You're gonna, a woman beater. You're gonna but bring his, this podcast down on the third week. 
No, I'm not <laughs> celebrating a woman here. I don't think that he belongs. <laughs> I, no, <laughs> oh my God, you're making me laugh. But no, but the thing is, though, it's like, yeah, it comes at an awful time. What the thing is, though, is like you can't take away what he did on the pitch. Right. But enough, but getting, but bearing the sides of that, I understand why he's not on there. But on it, it goes back to Don Cherry and Jeremy Roenick and what the and and um you want we want you would want them to cover the National Hockey League, but then they're probably never going to work in hockey again because of their off the field because of their comments or their age or whatever that they happened and. John Terry's on here too, and he actually had to go to court because of uh, because of on the field on the field racist issues where he was accused of racist comments, which is probably why Luis Suarez will never come on here or Patrice Evra because of his shithousery after that. But uh, <laughs> that's pretty sad given that. But yeah, well, Giggs is a woman beater. I don't support. Any man that hits a woman, I do not support as a person, but I'm not going to take away from what he did on the pitch during this time in the Premier League. No, yeah, but, I, I, I believe, I think if this was put out like a couple months earlier, he definitely would be on this list. But I think the reason he's not is probably just because based on that reason, yeah. Because they, the woman they didn't want to be brought on with that and have that controversy, like the Premier League put this out, and then that controversy come with it. They That's don't the reason that. I don't think he's on the, they don't want the shortlist I agree wholeheartedly. I agree wholeheartedly. But the other player that I'm surprised that I'm actually disappointed is not on here. Where's Rooney? I know. I was thinking him as well. Um, Where's Wayne Rooney? 200-plus uh, goals, 100-plus assists. The only player in the history of the Premier League to have over 200 goals and over 100, over 100 assists. Uh, five-time Premier League winner, and he's got a couple, and he's got some individual accolades from his time in the Premier League as well. Um, I mean, he he got some up in my opinion on this list. G- I understand going gigs. I don't want to talk about it anymore because, like I said, you know, I understand what the Premier League did there. But Rooney, I feel 100% got snubbed. I understand that at, in his later years in the Premier League. Um, then he really like wasn't playing all that much, but a lot of people are starting to John Terry or Flank Lampard, though, and they're on the list, yeah, exactly. Terry and Lampard are on the list, Gerard is on the list, yeah. Um, but why Van Persie is on the list, a a man who literally, I I think that I think that Rooney should be on here instead of Van Persie 100%. Oh. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, I would replace Van Persie with Rooney right away, but that just kind of upset me, and it still kind of upsets me because of like when you look at how good Wayne Rooney was mm-hmm. compared to other players on this list. I'm not saying that they're all that they're not that they're not good or anything. They deserve to be, no, right. but but Rooney probably should have been a nominee and if he was on here, I'm so I believe that he would have been one of the top six to be inducted. But people have forgotten how good he was as a player. But I mean, like you could literally look at any of these guys who got their career in the Premier League and say, okay, what did they do? Because I don't because when I first saw the list too, I was shocked Rooney wasn't on there. I'm like, maybe it's just because he retired last year or two years ago. But then you look at Drogba and he just retired from the freaking like the U whatever it was, the USSL or whatever the hell he was playing in. Yeah, he was playing he, in, he Phoenix, played in 2018 in Phoenix Rising, right? Yeah. Yeah, whatever league that was. I mean, he just retired in 2018. Rooney just retired, what, last year from 
professional he soccer just, or two years he ago? He just retired a few months ago, actually, yeah, um, playing so, for Derby. But yeah, I see where maybe maybe from. maybe that's the reason is just because he just retired. I I see where you're coming from there. I do see where you're coming from because because I mean, there's a lot of names like. Ronaldo should be on this list, but he's not retired yet, so I'm sure that's why he's not on there. But I mean, he no, also... he's not. You know, actually, I, I, you know, as much as I think that Rooney got snubbed, I think that he fell just short of when you should have been retired. Rooney only retired a few couple. Rooney only retired back in like January, if I remember correctly. I thought it was. I thought it was before the season started. No, he was playing during the season. Then they Derby fired their manager. So that's right. He may have fallen just short of the retirement requirement. Maybe then. that's why then, because that would make that would make the most sense. That would make the most sense there. I I'd have I, but I I'm not I didn't like actually I know, I know that you have had to retire be retired um uh, with I think you have to have been retired before uh at least before. <sighs> Yeah, I think it was that. But still, I feel like even if that was if that's not the case, I feel like he got snubbed. But I'm looking, I'm thinking at it now that that was the case. That's why he's probably not on the list. But no, nonetheless, he will go into the Premier League Hall of Fame at uh, uh, when his time comes to be nominated and eventually inducted. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, those are just two players that. I was questioning why they weren't on the list. Um, obviously, one for various reasons, and then uh, one mainly just because of my confusion for the most part, and other fans' confusion as well, because I was looking on Twitter and everybody was like, where's Rooney, where's Rooney, where's Rooney? Because the stipulations weren't really mentioned. It was just kind of like, hey, we're doing this Premier League Hall of Fame. Like, I got your answer. Yeah, he 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 what he retired after. Yeah, uh, it's, I just I just looked it up. It's August first of twenty twenty. The players had to be retired by, and he retired in January yep. twenty twenty one. Right. Yep. Okay. Okay. I was confused. I was very confused. I'm sure you were as well. I was, but but the, when I saw it at first, I kind of thought that was a reason, but it wasn't hundred percent because then I like thought Drogba, and I thought they retired on the same time, but Drogba yeah. was two years ago, and Rooney was just his past middle of the season so that made sense i'm on the premier league's website right now it said um and in order to be eligible for the 2021 introduction players must have been retired before august 1st of 2020 so he'll be 2022 without a doubt then yeah okay so we'll so so um um i i so what was a snub what i thought what we thought was a snub was not a snub right all we had to do all we had to do was read a little bit Everybody needs to read just a little bit, but it is what it is, you know. Always bring, always good to bring up debates like this. Makes me wonder that. But um, uh, with that being the case, I mean, I don't have any, I don't have any other thoughts on the Premier League Hall of Fame. I like the concept. Uh, the league's been around a long time. I understand that there's an English Football Hall of Fame too, but uh, you know, no, just I, like, I like the, I like the Premier League having their own. I do too. I do too a lot. Um. Uh, uh, I don't have any other thoughts on any of the topics that we covered, um, but I do want to just go into two quick things before we conclude today's podcast. Um, uh, so with the draft being tomorrow night, uh, Thursday, the 29th, the first round starts, um, the Giants have the 11 pick and the Bills have the 30 of the 30th pick. Um, and I just, you know, 
want to uh, see like who you think the Bills would take at 30, and I'll tell you who I think the Giants pick at 11. All right, so I have two picks that I'm hoping for. Well, not I, I could – 30 is a tough pick, so I'm just going to get through with this fast because I'm going to be up till probably about midnight tomorrow night till the Bills actually make their pick. So I either want Joe Tyron from Washington, the defensive end. I mean, the kid's 6'5", 266, an absolute beast. Uh, recorded uh, 27 tackles this past season, um, 14 assisted tackles and eight sacks. Um, or I would like Travis Etienne, Travis Etienne from Clemson. If he's still on the board, but I I don't know. Those are my two picks. Um, just to get through with that fast because I know we're kind of going a little late here. I didn't know if you were worried about that or not. No, not at all. Not okay. at all. I mean, we're probably we're just over an hour and fifty. We're just coming in over an hour recording right now, so that's fine. But uh, for the Giants at eleven, I've been heavy on a wide receiver. Honestly, I mean, the top ten kind of like intrigue. The top ten, anything can happen. I mean, one, two, and three should be pretty simple. But from four down, from four to ten, honestly, pretty much a toss up at this point, honestly, because we all know that the first three picks should be, should be, or are going to be quarterbacks. Um, and then four from ten kind of intrigues me, especially, uh, especially like you know, ten, especially ten, which is just before the Giants, the Cowboys pick before the Giants. Uh, there has been a lot of talk and everything of like what to actually do and get done there. Um, there's also been talks of a lot of trades have potentially happening in the top, uh, in the bottom half of the top 10 before the giants pick at 11. Mm -hmm. So I'm just looking to see like whether or not J Javon uh, Jalen Waddle or Devonte Smith are taken before the giants get, get on the clock. If, Devontae Smith is available at 11, take Devontae Smith. If Devontae Smith is not available at 11, take Jalen Waddle. Both of them will be great options at wide receiver. Uh, you know what you're getting with them for the most part. I don't care about the size of Devontae Smith. He's proven that he can get the, he's proven that he can play exceptional football on a consistent basis. Um, and Jalen Waddle, I understand that he was coming off an injury. But the thing is, though, is that what he was doing at Alabama alongside opposite Devontae Smith, another exceptional uh, receiver, another great pass catcher, can also get yard, can also get some good chunkage of yards yeah. when it matters too. So both of those are I would love to see come to the Giants at eleven. If both of them are off the board, I couldn't tell you who we pick because right. the thing is, because I've been so heavy on wide receivers because the Giants need one. But well, what about uh, what's his face? Uh, the tight end from Florida, um, Pitts. Pitts? Oh, I think he'll be gone. I think he'll be off the board before eleven. If he, you think if, so? If Pitts is not off, if ne if no, if none of them are off the board at when when it comes to eleven, oh my god, I'm just gonna be like, pick any of them. Don't be stupid. And I don't love Pitts, but clearly the Bills don't play till thirtieth. And if anyone's confused why I picked those two players, is because we don't. I was going out based off mock drafts. Whoever feels to be on the board for the Bills, so don't get mad at me saying, oh, why would you pick those guys when there's clearly fucking better people out there? Because we're not drafting until 30, so don't get mad at me. Yeah, you're gonna get you're drafting at 30, Buffalo. Bills fan, Bills fans are good. No offense to Bills Mafia, but your fan Bills Mafia fan base finds a way just to argue and debate about most stuff, which kind of irks me in a way a little bit. But right, so I wouldn't be confused who's listening why I decided between those two. It's well, because I don't really know it's gonna be on the board at 30. Um the, 
that's understandable. Everybody's saying the Bills should take Eddie in anyways, uh, especially because of the running back, uh, especially because of the running back situation currently. Right. But um, uh, going off of that, uh, one more thing before we conclude today. Sunday, May 2nd, Liverpool comes to Old Trafford, takes on United. Um, uh, you're going to put, uh, who are you going to go biased and pick Liverpool to win? Or are you going to go in a different direction here? Well, clearly I have to go biased and say Liverpool is going to win. Uh, but if we show up with the only betting in recent weeks, I think you guys absolutely make this just a shit show. I think we get ran out of old Trafford. If we come in looking like we did these past couple weeks, our form is shit right now. Um, I, I don't even know what's wrong with the team. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if Van Dyke and Gomez being out makes that much of a difference to the team. Um, because it clearly the only problem isn't in defense. I mean, midfield looks absolutely garbage. Thiago looks terrible. The comp also isn't rotating the lineup, getting new players in there. So I don't know, man. It's just yeah. Well, I don't know. We're gonna crack top six anymore, or top four? Excuse me. We'll crack top six, but not top well, four. It's just upsetting, and it sucks. And I think, I really think you guys come out with the win on Sundays. Which is it sucks to say. I'm a Liverpool fan, but just our form has been absolute shit. Yeah. No. I mean, I yeah. Honestly, um, I'm gonna. Yeah, United should win this game. If United, if United don't win, like even if they draw, I'll be disappointed because the thing is though is. United, I'll be happy with the draw. I know you would be happy with the draw based on their form, but I don't want to go into it too much. Uh, United will be coming off of us first legs of uh, first uh, leg uh, semifinal uh, mm-hmm. against Roma. But the say, but the good news is is that they don't have to travel. Uh, the first leg of the, of the Europa League semifinal will be at Old Trafford, so they can stay in England. And hey, what's it like to play on Thursday nights? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, we're still in the hunt for a trophy, so who knows at this point. But um, uh, you, you, you should get used to it soon, buddy. Um, uh, I will be you. tuning in for Europa League next year if Liverpool in it. I was too pissed off. <laughs> I think that uh, United will uh, win on Sunday, and uh, I think it'll be the final nail in the coffin to Liverpool's Champions League hopes. So if we can't, if United can't win the title and City end up winning it, uh, which I, which will happen regardless, the inevitable will happen. Um, uh, it would be a nice uh, consolation prize to, uh, you know, put the final nail in the coffin of Liverpool's Champions League hopes and hopefully send them to the depths of the Europe the, of the Europa Conference League. Not even the Europa League. They, well, go, from the, they go from the Super League <laughs> to the Conference League. What a joke of a club. It, that, that would be great. But, um, well, if, if Liverpool do lose on Sunday, uh, mark me down as an honorary uh, or uh, – Temporary West Ham United fan for the rest of the season. Um, it'll be amazing to see West Ham in the Champions League. I mean, just imagine the fucking shit housery with that. Telling <laughs> me Arsenal sitting down in tenth, Liverpool and Tottenham might not even make Europa League, and West Ham's gonna make the Champions League. I'm all here for it. If Liverpool loses, I love at this it. point, you might as well just go for the shit housery at this point. But also, yeah. if you said you're in a title race, you are absolutely kidding me. You think City's gonna drop that many points? No, they're not gonna drop. I, 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 said you're not in title title. Title. I said if we can't win the title okay, on, okay. on miracle hopes, uh, which I know is inevitable. The only thing is, though, is I do want to bring up this one scenario. Um, uh, if City win at Pal at Pal. Uh, I believe it's Crystal Palace um, uh, on Saturday and Liverpool actually end up beating United. 
City will you you'll be doing City a favor and uh, crowning them uh, champions early. Yeah. So um, uh, either which way, it's a lose lose for. Liverpool, I mean, I, I, we need a win. I mean, we're only five eight four. Excuse me, eight fucking eight stupid ass. Uh, we're four points out of the Champions League spot right now. Um, Chelsea feels like eight though, doesn't it? Yeah, tell me about it. Chelsea sitting at fifty eight points. Um, in fourth, West Ham's in fifth with fifty five points, and Liverpool is down in sixth with fifty four points. So I mean, you guys are you're you clinched a Champions League spot for next season, right? Or not, not yet, yet, but it's, pre- it's not pretty yet, much but there. Sense, though, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it all depends on what happens. I feel like this game will um uh, turn. I feel like this game will all but solidify uh, what happens for next season there. But uh, uh, you want Liverpool to win. You think United will win though. I want United to win. I think United will win. If it's a draw, you'll be happy. If it's a draw, I'll be pissed. But um. Uh, it is what it is. I think it'll be an entertaining game of football nonetheless. I what, did the game time come out yet? Is it still showing 10 o'clock? 11.30 Sunday, NBCSN. Perfect. Perfect. I'll be tuning in for that. I think I'll be on the golf course, though, so I'll have it up on my phone. I will be in Syracuse with a friend. I will be in Syracuse with a couple friends of mine. We'll be oh, watching. Nice to watch the game? Yeah, we're going oh, to watch nice. the game. That'll be fun. Got a couple friends on Syracuse, but um. Uh, also, a last note: uh, Jorge Mazdaval got knocked the fuck out last Saturday. In case anyone cares, I know I said go Mazdaval on the last <laughs> podcast. He got his shit absolutely rocked in. Usman looked like a beast at 170. Um, honestly, he might be unstoppable at 170. But yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, that's about it there. Um, uh, I was shocked at I was shocked honestly. I thought it probably I was shocked that it was in the second round. I thought it would go to the third or fourth, but knockout uh, Usman. I did say that too because uh, I watched the fight with some uh, with some uh, mm-hmm. other people. Uh, we were all shocked, but uh, if Colby Covington that, doesn't beat Usman in the next fight, um, this is Usman's division to run through. So that's all I have to say on the UFC. Same. That's all I have to say in general. Um, uh, I don't have any more thoughts. Uh, uh, so we'll conclude to we'll conclude this latest episode of the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. You can listen and subscribe to it on either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, you can also follow the Lonely Heart Sports Podcast on Instagram at Lonely Heart Sports Podcast. Maybe uh, I should try to put up more content uh, on the Instagram account. Um, uh, but, you know, that's, uh, that's something I'm trying to figure out as well. But uh, other than that, uh, until the next episode, everybody just stay safe and keep on keeping on. Keep on rocking. Keep on rocking in the free world. Oh.